Okay. Hey, hey Ben. Welcome to I Table think Chat. We're live. Uh, thank you. At Took long last. Twenty nine minutes after we intended to start, <laughs> we we worked out our oh, technical goodness. glitches, our audio uh, business. Oh goodness. Uh, we figured it out. Yep. So. Next time, we'll just have to remember. Click that little box. Right. Uh, yep, yep. Click our There's box. One little. Yeah. It, it's never been a problem up until today. So who knows? But today uh, what it was. That deal is. Today it was a problem. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Well, Ben, can I uh, set this up for us? Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna share this on my page. Yeah. <clears throat> there. Is that okay if I do that? I just did it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm gonna do it now and then I'll ask. I, sh- just... I shared it with the church uh, group me as well. If anybody wants to join us, great. If you are uh, joining us, sorry we're late. We're preaching through the politics of Jesus vis-a-vis the Sermon on the Mount. I think I used vis-a-vis correctly there. Anyway, we're, and we're, we're talking about how Jesus is neither right nor left nor spiritual, but Jesus uh, declares the politics, i.e. how to arrange society, how to relate to each other and money and property and the land uh, in his kingdom. And so mm-hmm. the Sermon on the Mount then is him contextually speaking to a bunch of people in his day about um, what it means to live under the kingdom of God and how that challenges the prevailing predominant way of inhabiting Israel in his day. And there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more going on than we typically think of. We typically think of it as personal piety. Jesus does ramping up morality or, and, or, you know, some interpretations have been that the Sermon on the Mount is basically uh, Jesus is making all these people so despairing of their own flesh and efforts and works at being righteous that they have to rely on uh, salvation by uh, faith, by grace through faith. But we are contending that's not what's happening, that Jesus is exposing and shining a light on the way that religion was used to oppress people and hurt people and how the entire point of what God was up to with Israel has been uh, obfuscated, hindered, hidden by people with power exploiting and oppressing and abusing um, uh, people without power for their own financial, political, social gain. Did I summarize it all right? Yeah, I think that was pretty good. All right, great. And uh, this this past Sunday... You uh, preached on, uh, well, Matthew, what was it, 27 through... 20, 21, Matthew 21. 5, 21 through 37. It was yes. Jesus' illustrations of his thesis. His thesis was uh, that he's, not come, he's come to fulfill the law, to tell you what, what God has always intended for Israel, um, and that this is a righteousness that will take you beyond... The righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, which was the righteousness. I put that in air quotes there. Mm-hmm. I see that. I see the air, air quotes. quotes. There they are. They're both yeah. on, both on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I put it in air quotes because the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was exactly what you just talked about, where yeah. they would use their uh, ostensibly they were keeping the law, but they were actually using that as an excuse to maintain their status while still yes. oppressing people, which was actually what the law was meant to help them not do. So Jesus is saying, hey, you you know, you have yeah. a fine way of, you know, setting aside the scriptures yes. in order to keep your traditions. That's, yes. a, that's, a, that's another thing that, another way of encapsulating what he's doing here in the sermon. Yes. And these, these are like three or four illustrations where he's saying, so for example, you've heard it said, 
do not murder, but I say to you, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I say to you, you've heard it said, give her a certificate of divorce, but I say to you, and you've heard it said, keep your oaths, but I say to you. So he's, he's, he's giving people illustrations of what this righteousness lives like uh, and how that contrasts yes. with the way that they've done things. Yeah. All right. And so then this, then this week you uh, spoke on do not murder, mm-hmm. uh, do not commit adultery, mm-hmm. um, right? Uh, do yep. not... Do not commit murder, do not commit adultery. And then divorce is kind of, I embedded it into there, into the adultery uh, conversation. And then do not, um, uh, make sure you keep your vows, you know. um, Yeah, oaths. Yeah, keep keep the oaths that you make. Yeah, and so then the idea here is that Jesus is saying that, um, that, that religious, the, the, the professional Jews who made a lot of, who had a lot of status and clout, Mm-hmm. And gravitas in the community, they would keep the big laws, but then they would um, oppress and hurt people by breaking littler laws, right? Yes. So they would the ones that man- they had determined were littler. Yeah, so right. they would manipulate people with their words. Uh-huh. Uh, they would not commit adultery, but lust after and objectify women uh, inwardly. Yep. They would divorce women um, wantonly. And, wantonly, right? Uh, wanton divorce. Yeah, and um, and they would also uh, just. They would Not, use hostility, anger, yeah, to uh, to sort of get back at people, to yes, uh, sort of uh, contempt uh, for others, that kind of a thing. So, so they they had they never skipped a Sunday worship, or I guess it was Saturday, but then they had all kinds of vileness in yes. inwardly towards other people. Yes, and Jesus you is tie saying the mint. Yeah, you tie your mint and your dill, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law. So, um, I guess here's what I want to ask you. I'm going to ask you some questions, Ben. That's fine. I did. We did promise people we were going to talk. I couldn't get into all the teaching about what Jesus is doing with dismemberment, that kind of thing. So maybe oh, yeah. we're going to ask about that. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll start with that. Okay. So Jesus, Jesus, um, when he talks about, uh, I'm looking up on my Bible, my Bible app here. Don't commit adultery. I say to you, every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. And then he says, right eye, right hand, pluck it out, cut it off, yada, yada, yada. What is yep. going on there? Why is Jesus advocating for self-mutilation? Uh, I think if we're going to take Jesus seriously, um, there'd be a lot more one-handed people around. So that's about it. Are you looking no. at me when you say that? <laughs> I see you. You, you one-eyed, one-handed at me. people. Yeah. No, uh, no, what I mean, because uh, right, it's it strikes us as ridiculous, and I don't know of anybody, and you know, there may have been a few historical figures uh, in um, who, who have attempted this to try to take Jesus seriously. But uh, even the, those who take Jesus seriously don't actually cut off their hand. Um, and I think there, there's two ways of looking at this. Um, <laughs> one way is that Jesus was trying to like really illustrate the point that this, you should be really serious about sin mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, maybe there's some merit to that. But I think Jesus was being uh, ironic, hyperbolic, and uh, funny here, actually. Um, mm. Because I think we, we, like, if your problem is lust in your heart, mm-hmm. will plucking out your eyes help you? Well, I don't think it will. Right. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. It doesn't seem like it, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it, this seems like Jewish hyperbole to me. Right. Um, but it also, it also seems like Jesus, this is a, a critique 
against men who would lust after women and blame something about the women for why they were lusting. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, so what Jesus is saying is if, if your right eye causes you to sin, then uh, tell a woman to dress more modestly. Right, right. Make rules about the kinds of shirts and dresses they can wear to youth group. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. establish some sort of dress code. So one of the things we've done in our culture is women, we've made women responsible for uh, men's lust. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if any women are listening or any guys need to hear this too. Uh, But guys, uh, no one's responsible for your sin but you. And women, your bodies aren't dangerous. Your bodies aren't dangerous. Your bodies are good, and they're they're holy, and they're beautiful, and they're probably very sexy, <laughs> but they aren't dangerous. Like it's okay for your body to be sexy. Look, I'm going all out here. Jesus, this is Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is taking people off. Women, it's okay for your body, for you to like your body, and for you to think your body is sexy, and it's not dangerous to me. I'm responsible for what I do with my eyes. I'm responsible for what I do with my hands. You aren't. <laughs> ben? So I just said all that. You okay with all that? Uh, I am. Sorry, I'm a little distracted. What's my going on with Edith is, over there? My dog is barking at the very, very dangerous uh, neighbors who have driven <laughs> their van out into the road to try to capture their dog who runs away about three times a day. <laughs> I'm in the so, middle of trying to undo uh, 30 years know, of man. jacked up purity yeah. culture over here. And yeah. your dog, she's sounding she's, the alarm. Uh, she's sounding the alarm. Yep. It's, uh, it's dangerous. It's those people out there. They're the dangerous ones. Well, no, that uh, that's uh, that's good, Matt. I mean, I, I'm on board with that. I think um, that then maybe part of what Jesus is doing here is saying, look, it's it's your eye, right? That has caused you to sin. It's your hand. It's, it's your you. hand. It's right. your it's eye. Your, it's your eye. It's your hand. So if you're going to get serious about uh, this sin of lust, then get serious about your own heart. Get serious about the way that uh, you are utilizing your body yes. to objectify and oppress. Yes. Take, take responsibility. Take dominion over your own body. Stop, stop trying to control other people, people's bodies. Mm-hmm. Christians. We love to tell other people what to do with their bodies. This is a huge problem (laughs) in our tradition. We love to police what other people do with their bodies. But Jesus is categorical here. He says, if if you are sinning, take responsibility over your own body. Look, I, I wonder how many... I wonder what multitude of sins could be covered. <laughs> if we just decided as a, as a group of Christians, Christian men, to stop telling other people what to do with their bodies, even if we disagree with what they're doing with their bodies, and, and we begin with taking responsibility of our own bodies. Uh, and then we could have conversations about what bodies are for, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, that's not the, where we stop. But like, I think that's, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I just, I think... We just need to say categorically that there's been a lot of mistakes and missteps here because we haven't heeded the logic, I think, and the love of Jesus 
and how he's he's actually trying to protect women here mm-hmm. because men were uh, misusing them and then blaming yes. them for their misuse of them. Yes. And that's, it's a good thing that doesn't happen anymore. So that, oh, Man, it's really jacked good. up. Yeah. It, gets, it gets me all cranked up. I get hot and bothered. Mm-hmm. about it. All right. So then, uh, so then why, um, this word, this word translated hell here. Yeah. What's, there's some jacked up stuff about that too. There is. You want to teach us about that, Father Ben? Uh, yeah, I can, uh, I can make an attempt again. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into, uh, all of this, but the word, the, the major danger here, I think that we face as modern people is that we think about the word hell and we think that we know what Jesus is saying because we have all these preconceived notions. We don't think they're preconceived, but we, there are preconceived notions that we've inherited from later Western tradition, from Dante, from all kinds of other places where we've thought we know what hell means. And when Jesus says hell, we, th- we import that meaning. We think of it as, oh, that place, right, that you go, that the devil tortures you forever. And it's, wh- it's where mm-hmm. God punishes sinners. Like Dante's Inferno kind of. Dante's Inferno, right? So we have that idea of hell, and then we see Jesus, you know, the translation, you know, says, oh, you'll be thrown into hell. Right. And we think, oh, wow, this is, you know, this, this is pretty serious here. Um, but that's, that's a mistake, is to uh, import those late ideas into the text here. Um, so the word here, I'm pretty sure, is Gehenna. It is Gehenna. So when Je- when, yeah, so when Jesus says this, he's saying, like, um, be careful that you don't get thrown into Gehenna. Um, and Gehenna was, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think by this time it was beginning to be used as a metaphor for judgment, just, yes. uh, this worldly judgment. So this isn't eternal. This isn't like after you die, where do you go? This is more like there are consequences for your actions. And if you don't repent, I think Jesus was looking at the writing on the wall and saying, look, if you don't repent, judgment is coming. The Romans are going to come. They're mm-hmm. going to tear the temple down. Yes. They're going to destroy you as a people. Yes. Um, and the call there is to repent. And so Gehenna, I think it refers to the Valley of Hinnom, where there yep. was this garbage dump outside of Jerusalem that was always, yep. people just threw their stuff out there. It was kind of this burning trash heap. Um, and Jesus uses this as a metaphor to say, look, uh, the, um, the danger here is that your actions are going to produce consequences uh, that are going to bring destruction and judgment to your lives and yes. to the people around you. Yes. And that's what he's calling people to. So when he says, you know, to these men, right, it's your eye, it's your hand. Um, and when he says, where else does he say this? Um, so he says this with the anger part where he says, you know, anybody who commits murder shall be liable to judgment. But every, I say to you, anybody who's angry will be liable to judgment. Anyone who yes. uses uh, foul and abusive language towards others will be liable to the law court. Anyone who says you fool, which is a contemptuous kind of way of speaking to somebody, will yeah. be liable to the fires of Gehenna. Yeah, will be will be subject to judgment. So Jesus is trying to raise the bar on on righteousness again to say, look, it's not just these heavy commands that are going to bring about judgment. It's the way that you've used the heavy commands to justify your oppression. Um, that's actually going to bring about judgment. It's going yes. to bring about real world consequences. Yes. Um, and so that's, that's what most of the time when you see the word hell in the New Testament, you can count on the fact that they were not thinking of the place you go when you die if you don't nope. believe in Jesus. Nope. They were thinking about a this worldly judgment that was coming, that was imminent. 
um, yes. that was that that they were trying to warn Israel to avoid. Much yes. like an old Old Testament prophets talked about this all the time, right? They said right. the Assyrians are coming. If you don't repent, you know, uh, judgment is coming. Right. And Jesus was standing in that line of of Jeremiah and the other prophets and saying, um, and you know, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, uh, judgment. You know, the fires yeah. of the fires of hell, so to speak, yeah. the fires yeah, yeah, of Gehenna. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and there's a it's, lot of there's a lot to it. That's it's really helpful. So I just want to reiterate here. Most of our Bibles use the word hell, but it's actually the word Gehenna, and mm-hmm. Gehenna has different imagery than what we think of as hell. Right. So this is not a post-mortem place you go to eternally and consciously be tormented for the things you did wrong. Right. But rather it's an image of destruction, judgment, yes. and even uh, even purification. There's some there's yes. some imagery of purification too. So it's it's an ambiguously loaded image, and we mm-hmm. collapse it down into hell, and it doesn't do good work for us. And our translations, just uh, putting hell in there, they don't help us do that. No. So, um, all right, well, let's keep moving, because uh, you and I actually have other things to do this afternoon, even though we I do. have got more... 13 qu- minutes left. When Jesus says you won't get out until you pay the last penny, you know, with the murder mm-hmm. stuff, I think he's talking yeah. about debtor's prison. He, yeah. So we, we often read hell into that, too, but Jesus right. is referring to debtor's prison, which was the kind of prison that existed in first century Palestine, where you you actually went to pay off debts, and you would get out when you paid the last penny. Right, right. <laughs> so we read, we read this notion of eternal conscious torment into so many places in yes. the scriptures that it, it, where it doesn't belong. And I just want to yes. name that's another place. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. All right. We talked about lust. We talked about hands and eyes. Let's talk about divorce. Would you like right. to talk about divorce? Just, yeah, let's do it. We're just hit all them right. all. Well, I mean, Jesus hits them all. Yes, he does. Um, he says, uh, whoever divorces his wife must give her a divorce certificate. I say whoever divorces his wife except for sexual unfaithfulness forces her to commit adultery. Yes. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Uh, why, is, why is Jesus speaking to this, and what is he doing here? Yes. Well, this is part of what you talked about earlier, Matt, when he talks about adultery and lust. This is part of the way that women were held under the thumb of men. Uh, in in this day, yes. was that men could divorce their wives. There was actually a debate between two schools of thought. One school said, um, you, should, you, sh- you can divorce your wife for any and every reason, right? If she cooks your food wrong, or if you just get tired of her, yes. you can just, as long as you give her a certificate, like yes. that was one interpretation of Moses. Uh, there was another interpretation of Moses that said, no, like that you should not be able to divorce your wife for any and every reason, but only for you know, sexual unfaithfulness. So in one sense, what Jesus is doing is picking a side yes. here, right? Where he's saying, no, you cannot uh, just wantonly give them a certificate of divorce and just just divorce them for any reason. And this, this comes out in Matthew 19 when he speaks um, a little bit more explicitly about this, when he's actually asked about it yep. in Matthew 19, where he says, um, I'm, I agree with this one side. But then the other thing that he does in Matthew 19 that I think plays into what he's saying here is he takes it all the way back. He doesn't just settle the matter there and say, you can only divorce her for these reasons. But he brings it back to Genesis 2 and says, like, don't separate at all. Like, don't get divorced. Um, stop sending your wives away um, yes. for any and every reason. And, and even, like, take it more seriously that you yes. belong to each other. Take it more seriously that you are one flesh with this person. Yes. Don't use this 
law that Moses wrote for you because your hearts were hard as an excuse to send uh, women away. Now, you know, there was obviously um, the culture was uh, a bit different back then, which just meant that um, women sort of lived in fear of being divorced by their husbands. Yeah. If you were divorced by your husband, there was no recourse. No. You couldn't go get a job. You couldn't um, do a lot of the things that you can do today. Nope. Um, there was, you know, you had to go find another man, essentially, or you were forced into prostitution. Um, yes. And so, like, this is what Jesus is speaking to. He's saying, look, you're using this law, this this certificate writing law, yes, and saying, hey, I gave her the right paperwork as an excuse to actually oppress and exploit and use and abuse people, women, yes. Yes. in the day. And so uh, he's calling them again to this higher form of righteousness that says, no, you, you belong, like you are one flesh with this person. You need to take this commitment seriously. Yes. And um, stop using this as an excuse to oppress people. So he's yep. bringing people, again, back to the weightier matters of the law, mercy, justice. Yes. Good. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll just say one more thing, too. Like, yeah. um, elsewhere, Jesus explains that the reason why divorce is permitted is because you guys are jacked up. Right. Your hearts um, are hard. Your hearts are hard. And I just want to point out that this is, this, this is why we need to take Jesus into the Old Testament when we read it, mm. or if you will, the Hebrew mm-hmm. Scriptures. Because... Not every truth we find is timeless. In fact, mm. every truth right. we find is timely. Yeah, even the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> even the Sermon on the Mount, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, what, what I want to say is uh, um, uh, when, when God commands Israel to do this or that, he's not a, he, we can't presume that he's asserting like this... Um, pristine, new creation, for all time kind of law. Yeah. Because Jesus tells us that God gives you permission to do things because yeah. uh, because of your sin. Yes. Right? Uh, and including, um, we, would, we could probably say slavery, too, uh, in terms of how the Old Testament handles slavery, and including, right. perhaps, uh, I think we'd want to say uh, polygamy. <laughs> right. And other yeah, things. Yeah, nobody that, thinks that's okay anymore, yeah. A lot of people say, well, God doesn't command polygamy. Uh, that's true. But God does God does lament that Saul blew it as king. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, And then he says, I would have given you as many wives as you wanted if you would have followed me. <laughs> right. But since you right. didn't, I'm gonna remove the I'm gonna remove you from the kingship. So like yeah. we have to reckon with the fact yeah. that God laments that he isn't able to give Saul, right. more right. wives. Right. Right? And so yeah, there's... But, his, but that's him meeting us where we are, right? Where well, yes. for Saul, that would have been a, a, like, oh, wow, God has blessed me so much. That would have been to him this sign of blessing. Yes. God meets us right in the culture of where we are and, and is working with us right where yes. we are. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. And so I, I, I want us to have a more robust, nuanced, deep way of reading the Old Testament and how yes. it relates to the New Testament. I'm just contending for that here because mm. it's very clear that Jesus yes. Jesus indicates that uh, we can't just drag and drop laws from the Old Testament yeah. into the New Testament. And I'll say this too, that also means that we can't drag and drop what Jesus says about divorce here or what he says about divorce in Matthew 19. We can't just drop that into our current day. Because yeah, this is... again, he was, he was saying in the day he was talking to men. 
because they yeah. were the only ones who could divorce anybody, right? Yeah. Women couldn't write a certificate of divorce and say, I'm done with you. <laughs> like, yeah. it wouldn't make any sense to do so, and they weren't allowed to do so. Um, yeah. But today, right, women do enjoy, thankfully, a lot more, a lot more freedom than they had back then. Um, which means we have to think about divorce not just as like drag and drop Jesus literal words about divorce into our current day. We have to think about it inside of the righteousness that Jesus is advocating for here. Yes. And so we have to think about it in in those terms. And so, um, does that make sense? It so, does. It, you know, it it means, for example, that maybe the maybe the uh, sexual infidelity isn't the one and only reason that it would be legitimate to get a divorce. Yeah. Like, what about cases of uh, abuse. Yeah. Right? Jesus or, doesn't address that. He doesn't talk about it. Yeah. But with a good that, reason you know, why he doesn't. Yeah. David Instone Brewer has some really good research on this. Mm-hmm. And he says that, uh, you know, in the Old Testament law, in the Torah, uh, divorce is permitted under abandonment, abuse, and adultery. Right. And, and, and Jesus deals with one of those things mm-hmm. uh, because it's being, because divorce is becoming misused. Yeah. And he's saying this causes one of the reasons for legitimate divorce, which means right. you're actually abrogating the marriage covenant covenant when you do this. Like, you're, yeah. you're violating what I intended. So when mm-hmm. Jesus focuses on adultery, he's not annulling abandonment and abuse. Right. And, and, uh, and his argument is that Jesus uh, upholds those as, as essentially ending, there's a violation of the marriage covenant, so you're released from it. But that's a yes. whole different podcast. Right, that's a whole different conversation, and maybe we need to talk about that more at some point. I think so. The two ditches to avoid, I think, here are there. There is a ditch, I think, for some Christians who just think of divorce as just like, well, whatever. You know, if you fall, sometimes you fall out of love, no big deal, right? And I don't think that would be what Jesus would uh, contend for here. I, I think there's some Christians that sort of take a, that kind of loose view of it. Yeah, loose. But then there's, a, there's another ditch, right, where um, we're trying to, like, be really harsh about about these divorce laws and, yeah. and say this is the one and only reason, and, you know, yeah. you know we, that's we get not, all jacked up about it. Yeah, so. that's not it. I, I get that old Michael Jackson song in my head. It's the Which falling one? in love that's making me high. It's the being in love that makes me cry, cry, cry. Remember that song? Don't, my jam. Actually. All right. Well, yeah. we have like three minutes left. Let's move on to oath. <laughs> Let's oof. move on to oath. Right? Yes. Uh, basically, Jesus here, what, what's he doing? He's saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. What were people doing and why was why was yes. this an illustration of how people were keeping a, keeping a heavy law and violating light ones? Yes. So people, uh, I did get into this a little bit in the sermon, but people were making oaths uh, sort of these these big uh, ostentatious show of making this oath, um, swearing by the temple um, that this is true or that I'm you know I'm going to do this or that. But what they were doing was um, in in their swearing they were trying to lend weight to their words in order to manipulate others into sort of doing what they wanted. Them Coercing to do. them, influencing yep. them, persuading yep. them. Yeah, yeah, persuading, influencing. Um, well, you know, but. Uh, a little bit more nefarious than maybe than those two words okay. is the coercing and the controlling, you know, manipulating, uh, controlling, manipulating. Got it. Basically it's, it's an objectification. I think that, I think the core sin here in all of these things is turning the other into an object that I yes. do not need to respect as an image bearer. Yes. Instead I'm using the other person 
as an object to be manipulated, to be used, and to be thrown away, to be yeah. treated as a thing that I use for my purposes. Oh, yeah, man. Rather, rather than honoring, you are created in the image of God. I need to honor your agency. I need yes. to honor your will. And so I may have a conversation with you where I'm going to try to persuade you of something, but it's very different to try to persuade someone that you believe has agency, that you believe has will, that you think is mistaken. That's a very different thing from trying to manipulate them into doing what you want or agreeing with you for yes. your purposes, yes. where you're not honoring their agency, their God-given image-bearing. Yeah, so, so you see why we call this a politic. There's a yeah. way of being with other people. Yes. And Jesus is naming the ways that uh, everybody did this, but he's, he's talking about particularly the abuses of the powerful, people who mm. had status, authority, responsi- like more responsibility, more wealth, and how they are u- they're using religion to make themselves look pious, all yes. the while violating what that religion intended to do. Yes. Which Jesus gets pretty, he gets particularly uh, cranked up about this. And I think it's more yeah. than just, uh, it's more than just, you know, people who abuse others, right? There's right. people who abuse others and they're like, yeah, I love abusing people. I, you know, I hate people, that kind of thing. But there's something particularly nefarious about taking God, this is taking God's name in vain. This is ultimately what it means. There's something particularly hypocritical and nefarious about using religion, using God, using the name of God and the laws of God in the service of antichrist behavior. And Jesus, Jesus, that's the one thing he gets really cranked up about. I'm getting cranked up about it. Oh man, I'm getting like hot and bothered by it a little bit. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's wrong. Every abuse of another person is wrong, but it's especially wrong to do it in the name of of the one who calls you not to abuse other people. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that's so probably... That's what Jesus is getting at. We got to go. We, we got to go. So uh, just real, just to recap, maybe? Do it real quick. Uh, the, Jesus is um, particularly concerned with uh, mercy and justice and how we treat other people. Yes. Religious people are particularly, particularly using, the, using the law to make themselves look pious, powerful, have status while violating the law in a myriad of ways that aren't named. Um, mm-hmm. And he's particularly calling those who have power, men in his culture, we see this with adultery and divorce especially, yep. Yep. Um, to to stop hurting and blaming people that are vulnerable. Yes. And so... Uh, yeah, if you join late, go back and listen to the beginning. I talk particularly about this lust thing. Probably need mm-hmm. like an eight-week class on this, but uh, it, this <laughs> is this is great on everything. I know. And yeah. Mallory, Mallory's going to preach this next Sunday. I'm excited about um, revenge yeah. and, and and love. Enemies. Oof. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's good stuff. We got to. All right. We'll jet. see you next time, guys. Peace, y'all. Love you, table. Yep.